Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Higher Ed Geek Podcast. We are back from our summer break. It was very much enjoyed and needed rest and relaxation. Very excited to be getting back to it, though. Uh, we'll be going with new episodes up until around Thanksgiving. Uh, so really excited to have this episode kick us off, uh, having kind of a continued conversation around continuing education, online, uh, adult education, all kind of combined and in one here with Catherine Lawton uh, from Maryville University, big leaders in this space. So really great to hear her uh, experience, uh, storied career there at Maryville, and really just appreciate her uh, jumping in to have this conversation, share all the good work that uh, her and her team are doing there at Maryville. So uh, as we get started with this string of episodes, please do make sure to fill out our listener survey. It is a big help for us as we uh, continue to build out Kind of knowledge about who our community is uh, to help kind of uh, build avenues for partnerships and support to keep the show growing. And without further ado, after this brief message from our sponsor, this is episode number 159 with Catherine Lawton. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. All right, everybody. Uh, very excited for this conversation. Uh, for folks who are kind of keeping track, uh, this is uh, being recorded as the first episode back from our summer break. So we're excited to be here. Uh, but talking uh, about something that I've definitely gotten a lot more interest in lately. You know, we explored on the podcast uh, a few times before, but uh, definitely deserves further discussion of adult and continuing education and how it continues to kind of uh, blossom in uh, today's higher ed uh, marketplace. So uh, we will start out, though, as we always do, have our guests introduce themselves uh, and give a brief overview of their professional background and how they got to be where they are today. Hi, Dustin. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm Katherine Lowthen, Dean of the School of Adult and Online Education here at Maryville University. So to tell you a little bit about myself and my journey, which is all very aligned with how I ended up here, um, I wanted to start by just sharing that this month I celebrated my 20th year here at Maryville. And I think that's unheard of these days, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so, yeah. So, you know, Maryville, is a, it's a special community uh, where we're really focused on the learner and this vision that we have to promote a revolution in student learning that really expands access and opportunity for everyone. So you'll hear a little bit in my journey that that's right in line with my experience and now my passion. So as a, as a first generation student, I sort of just followed what my siblings did in the college search process and went to the same local private school that they did. Uh, the problem was my older siblings knew much earlier than I did what they wanted to do with their lives. And I was sort of, let's call it still searching. Um, and, and because we all paid our own way and we worked while going to school, I was concerned about that and the cost of higher ed. Uh, sounds familiar to what we face today. So after my freshman year, I transferred to a mid-sized state school and uh, it was much more affordable. And as I figured things out, I lost some transfer credits along the way and changed my major a few times. And in the span of about four and a half years, I finally made it. 
So uh, when I graduated, I moved in with with my older sister, you know, one of one of the ones that had the path figured out um, so that I could save some money and got my first real job um, after that in college admissions. Uh, by the way, not at all related to my major, which ended up being fashion merchandising, but it was a fantastic first job. Um, it didn't really feel like a job. It was just helping people. I was driving all over uh, Missouri and Illinois at the time, helping people like me who didn't really know how to take charge of their college search. So uh, after that, I, I was ready to venture out on my own. I, I came to St. Louis. I worked a few different jobs in retail and HR and ended up back in higher ed. Um, again, I started here 20 years ago doing the same thing I started out in, helping students with their college search. I moved through a lot of different positions in enrollment, like recruitment, visit events, scholarship competitions, um, and operations. And it was in operations um, when at the time we served both the traditional students, so students straight out of high school, and then what was called the weekend and evening college uh, that was more the adult or non-traditional learner when, when we began exploring online. So so yeah, I guess that was about 10 years ago then when I moved over into what was the newly forming School of Adult and Online Education. So that's that's my journey. Yeah. Well, and it's just funny that, you know, a lot of your story, I'm sure, kind of aligned with the kind of maturation and evolution of, yeah, what is now known as the School of Adult and Online Education at Maryville. And I think, you know, when reached out to be on the show, like I, I had just generally known about Maryville, which I think speaks to kind of the, you know, reputation of the institution. There's a lot of other institutions that have definitely kind of, you know, been the ones kind of helping to blaze the trail in this space, which is now I think just far more ubiquitous, which is a great thing. Kind of embodies the, you know, value that any institution I think would espouse of uh, supporting lifelong learning and everything. But you know, I guess if you want to give kind of a snapshot, you know, since you've been there for a lot of the, you know, the change there at the school. Um, just a bit about the School of Adult and Online Ed at Maryville, kind of, you know, uh, what it offers and I guess just kind of how it operates so folks have that context before we move on. Sure, absolutely. It's um, It has been an evolution, really. So uh, I, I can tell you a little bit about how we moved into online and um, a little, too, about sort of how we're comprised here. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, when I moved over here, we, we had been successfully serving this adult market since the 80s. I think it was 1981 that the Weekend and Evening College was established. And mm. we, actually, we actually had one of the first uh, models for this in the area where it was like site-based learning and, um, you know, people were coming to class after work. But as early as like 2008, 2009, we started to sense a shift in that campus-based model. We were watching our competitors, were, which were at the time primarily for-profit, as they moved into online offering more flexibility. And we were hearing from our learners who, like us, as their lives got busier and as technology advanced, they were less and less interested in after a long day sitting in traffic to go sit in class for four more hours. So, you know, we knew we knew we had to make a change. And um, listening to our audience, we we wanted to leap into online, but we wanted to do it strategically because it was a big culture shift for us and and both internally and externally. So so um, we looked at, you know, market demand. We wanted to launch in something that there was high demand for so our learners would have good outcomes. 
we wanted to focus on things we were known for, like a signature program where we had brand recognition, uh, strong local and regional reputation, and a network of employers. And so uh, then and now we're still known for our outstanding health professions programs. So to get at that high quality, uh, we needed proof we could do it well. Um, we, like I said, we were convincing sort of the external and internal audiences. And, and since nursing has that like, inherent external validation through the boards of nursing and through licensure, we knew that if we could succeed in online nursing at the grad level, we could take any program online. So, so that's where we started. We, we projected a, a enrollment about three years in of like 400 students or so. And we launched um, the first cohort at the graduate level back in 2012. We actually hit that enrollment in the first fall because we, we tapped into an unmet need. And as you mentioned, when getting into this, that's, that's what mattered. You know, um, nurses wanted to continue their education, but all too often they didn't have access largely due to their very demanding schedules and the flexibility they needed, or like a phys physical location, just having a place within driving distance. So, Today, we, we educate thousands of graduate nursing students. And since then, we've launched 40 additional online programs. After that, after nursing, we knew we had to offer that same approach to our other audiences too. So we sort of went all in with online. Um, we found the right talent. We had a fearless leader in our, in our president to lead us through this culture shift. You know, he, Dr. Lombardi is a visionary and he believes wholeheartedly in access and opportunity. And through that vision, he sort of pushes us to focus on the learner and believe in people's potential. And when we went online, we, we really invested in online. We hired, um, an amazing pioneer in, in online education. Uh, my, my predecessor and mentor, Dan Veely, he had been doing online since uh, the 90s. So when he came to Maryville, he shared a vision for online and, and we put together a talented technical team, which is critical, a dynamic team of learning designers and an in-house production team. And we, we built a state-of-the-art production studio and continued to function as a service division. You know, we serve our learners, we serve our faculty and our Maryville community. We, we committed to a set of guiding principles, like student is at the center of everything we do. Uh, we have pedagogically rich course design. We have the same rigorous academic standards as our campus programs had, and we have highly responsive instruction. Uh, all of that sort of are the, the foundation of this great work we get to do together. And um, at the end of the day, it's it's really about identifying and filling that unmet need for our students, you know, both for our students and for the market. So that's that's a little bit about the school. Yeah, thank you for that context and getting into a little bit of the nuts and bolts too of how it all came together, because I think that really honors, you know, the hard work that has to go into make quality digital education programs. You know, there's still, I think, some residue that we're kind of trying to chip away at that, you know, it can just be done really cheap, really quick. And, you know, in a certain essence, it can, but it's not going to be, you know, kind of gold standard, you know, platinum standard, of, you know, digital education. So, you know, and, and so many people were just exposed to, you know, the quote unquote, Zoom University. And, you know, they think that that's all it is, is, 
yeah, like you're saying, almost just like the the four hour lecture you're going to commute in traffic for just, you know, sitting in front of a computer screen. It's like, you know, yeah, you know, there, there should be, depending on the course, you know, certain cadences at times of, you know, office hours and different kind of more, you know, engaging opportunities to interact with faculty and peers and everything. But yeah, you do just need to really invest a lot of time and people and uh, technology into doing online right. And uh, it's always just great to hear kind of people's journey uh, into this uh, area and the fact that, you know, now obviously you're very well positioned, uh, you know, to kind of continue to blossom. And, you know, I think so much now people are looking to these, you know, adult continuing education divisions and things to, you know, learn from their experience of doing this work for, for such a long time. So yeah, super great context to have here for the conversation. I think too, kind of what you're getting at too, of like, you know, meeting the needs of learners, you know, these are students, depending on all the sorts of programs that you have and, you know, other institutions as well, you know, these could be people who are coming back to finish a bachelor's, uh, get a certificate, you know, further their education through a graduate degree. And, you know, they're all going to need different things and, you know, they have different demands on their lives and everything. And I think that's such a great kind of promise of kind of continuing education where it really is kind of a nexus point for all those different learners and everything. And I think something I know um, I wanted to explore a little bit with you that I haven't had as much exposure to in terms of like kind of the day-to-day of it, but you can build really great online courses that are um, either entirely or mostly asynchronous, you know, if you're again, investing in them correctly. So I'm curious how that fits into your strategy. Cause I know like a big part of kind of the current wave of kind of digital education development that's happening is, you know, making sure that there is some component that has a synchronous, you know, engagement with the faculty. Even for my own edification, I'd love to just hear kind of the point of view and perspective that you all have from asynchronous, because obviously that that's the foundation for any good online course is that content that you have in the LMS and everything, whether or not there is, you know, robust, like immersive, you know, hybrid or whatever components to it, you need to have, you know, uh, the asynchronous content be really solid. So all that to say, yeah. yeah, how do you see asynchronous learning fitting in, you know, to your strategy, you know, I mean, historically and moving forward? Sure. I, I mean, absolutely, Dustin, you, you hit every point. I mean, from what the pandemic did with being a catalyst and an accelerator of change and, and what it meant for so many uh, people out there as they saw this, uh, different approach to learning and how it resonates for them. But it, but at Maryville, sort of historically, and, and even now, really, I'll explain why our asynchronous approach matters. Um, you know, here right now, online, uh, for the most part, really is synonymous with asynchronous because it expands our reach and it, it makes it possible for people to fit education into their lives. And because everyone's lives have gotten so busy, that flexibility um, is often the ultimate decision driver for people. You know, we learned in moving from that old site-based model to online that, you know, learners really needed that to have the staying power to be successful. And, And when you start thinking of learning, you know, not like a point in time in your life that you're going to do this thing, but as as part of uh, as a part of our everyday life and and for for our future, you start to think of it more like social media. You know, we have real relationships via social media that we engage in every day. 
Um, we just, we have to be responsible to find ways to build engagement and community in that digital space. Um, and, and when you do it, it can be super valuable and meaningful when it's done right. It, it doesn't mean we won't continue to build. And, and I called this an evolution and I continue to because we are learning every day how to improve, how to make it better and how to meet the needs of our different audiences. Uh, we just have to be intentional about understanding our audiences so deeply that we know what they need to be successful. So, so I have a, I think I have a good example of, of why um, asynchronous is so important with, with what we did at Maryville. Um, early on, as I mentioned, we, we started primarily in the graduate space, but in um, 2018, we launched something called the Let's Be Brave Together campaign. And it was a national campaign designed to empower the millions of Americans with, with some college credit, but no degree. So they never finished. And much of this population had very transfer credit from multiple schools, sound familiar. Um, and we were really you know, working to help them finish what they started. So, so we've seen this impact. When you think back to our vision and, and uh, access and opportunity, all these people who, who started something either recently or years ago, they deserve the opportunity to finish. And being able to offer them a path to do that, where we could fit education into their lives, you know, for them, sometimes, unlike the traditional population where, where going to college is like the top priority, coming back to school for these learners can be one of their top five priorities competing with work, school, kids, you know, um, lots of different things depending on what's going in their lives. And, and what we found is that, you know, being able to grow this population, invite them in to finish what they started, it's changed our learner profile significantly. Um, some things remained, like we're still 70% female in this online undergraduate population. But half, half of these folks are first gen. That, that's important, right? It matters. It's they're the first ones to, to go to college in their family. Uh, the, the largest group is um, between 23 and 30. So that's interesting. A lot of times I think people hear adult education or online and they think um, it might skew their opinion slightly older, but our online learners continue to get younger and they're very, very diverse. So nearly 40% of our online undergraduates are multicultural or non-white. And, and at some points that's been as high as 50%. 70% um, or so are outside of Missouri. So not even in our state and about 65 to 70% of them are working. So, so you take all these people with all these different backgrounds from all over the country in different time zones, and it showcases the importance of the flexibility that asynchronous can give them. It, it doesn't mean we won't complement it with some synchronous options. It just means that we have to maintain that commitment to primarily asynchronous so it can fit into their lives. Right. That's what I think you see. Yeah. Is like the optional live sessions, office hours, or just accessibility, you know, of, of faculty and everything. Uh, but yeah, you're not dinging students if life gets right. in the way, you know? Um, and I think just in my experience too, like, and I think this, this is definitely a lot of the sort of discourse and kind of uh, research out there is like, that just like having to acknowledge and accept it, like that is one of the top reasons why students don't persist is just like, 
life got in the way. Like, yep. and yeah, if they, if they sort of hit a roadblock and that stalls them out, then, you know, they might have to take a leave of absence and then they might not come back and then, you know, they may never finish and, and those sort of things. So, you know, recognizing that reality and figuring out ways that we can make education more accessible and work better. Um, you know, when I, when I've worked with students, they've always just appreciated so much that sort of acknowledgement and flexibility, whether it's just like individually from a faculty member within a course or just broadly, um, you know, when they reflect on their experience in the program as a whole. So um, that's definitely, definitely a big thing. And I mean, that that's going to be, you know, part of the equation here of really uh, providing kind of, you know, these opportunities for lifelong learning um, moving forward and, you know, whatever it is that people are pursuing and, um, you know, it being kind of, uh, again, kind of the broad spectrum of uh, students that you're serving and the ways that you're serving them, um, you know, a big focus, you know, that's been on my mind because I think I've seen them kind of really like kind of solidify their position as part of kind of the, uh, portfolio of any uh, school and, you know, their online strategy and everything is uh, certificates and kind of shorter program options, short courses, whatever they might be. Um, so how, you know, what has been your experience leveraging uh, certificates and shorter program options for students at uh, uh, Maryville? Sure. Uh, you are seeing this pop up all over. And back to that evolution discussion, I think we are consistently trying to find ways to better serve our learners. You know, um, we are early in into certificates. So uh, schools are taking different approaches. Companies are taking different approaches. And so, you know, we're stepping into this as we as we work to design new pathways for learners to really gain skills. So at Maryville, some of this is happening like in the realm of courses, like I'll talk about today. And then some of it's a newer approach um, and it may show up as workforce development. And I'll, I'll leave a teaser for people who are interested, you know, if they wanna learn more about Maryville Works, which is a, an arm of the university that helps businesses solve problems and find solutions to address the skills gap. Um, that's sort of a, an evolving um, division at Maryville now with some new leadership doing some exciting things. And, and I think as our audiences converge and many of our learners work, that'll be a really relevant way to continue this lifelong learning journey. So um, again, that's Maryville works. And, but back to my world <laughs> um, and what we're doing with certs. This is, uh, you know, that audience I'm talking about who, who again needs flexibility and options either to sort of finish what they started, but many of them are looking simply to upskill or, or reskill. And so when we uh, decided to move into certs, it was a combination of what we were hearing from our students and what we heard from employers on this whole skills matching conversation. And we know, you know, it's our responsibility to empower learners with what they need to be successful. So we've been, as an example, we leveraged Monster's Future of Work reports in 21 and 22, and we pulled our own online learners and pending graduates regarding upskilling. So upskilling as like gaining new skills that help people advance or remain competitive in their current roles or, or reskilling, like when employees adapt their current capabilities and take on like new roles or new functions. And from, from that 
you know, future of work report, we knew that 58% of recruiters anticipate that finding candidates with the right skills will be their top challenge over the next three years. And then our own learners responded that like 74 or something percent of them responded that they believe even in their current or desired industry that they'll have to gain new skills in addition to their degree in order to advance. So um, I think six out of 10 responded that they've either changed jobs or are considering changing jobs that they know will require additional education and, and skills. And, and we're compelled then to try new approaches. And, and that's what we've been doing. Um, we've stepped into this cert space really last year. And, I, you know, as a student example, I'll never forget sitting with um, he was a firefighter, but he was just starting a cybersecurity program with us. And he was em employed and just getting started into this new area. And he had lots of credits to complete. And he said, like, I just want to get going in the program and I want to know enough to get started. And, and that's what really inspired us, you know, to start thinking differently about this idea of a credential being the cert that can be earned along the way. And, and maybe most importantly, Dustin, like, earned regardless of whether or not the student ever finishes the degree. So unlike sort of that, the older school stuff or, or some that many of us still have like minors and tracks and concentrations, we thought about a menu of sort of clustered learning in emerging areas that we believe will be the most applicable as students try to reskill and upskill in, in these emerging areas related to the future of work. So feels like forever ago now, but it was just last fall that we launched five undergraduate certificate options in artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, data science, uh, software dev, and uh, UX, UI, so user experience, user interface. And then this fall, we're rolling out a new one in blockchain. So some, some of these have been around long enough, they're, they're full programs, but some are newer areas that aren't going to be a full program, but are really interesting um, differentiators for our learners to take out there in the market. So, you know, I guess for undergrad, it's sort of what I mentioned, that milestone achievement, a standalone credential. And, and for, for graduate, we, can, we have a couple of post-baccalaureate certs that in um, big data and machine learning that can be earned uh, they're almost half a graduate program, I guess. Uh, and for the graduate lens, though, I think it's as much about, you know, working professionals getting into advanced education where they may need part of a program or a full program. I mean, as a working professional, I can't imagine committing to anything that's going to take me very long at all. You know, I want to sort of bite-size the education I'm stepping into. And I think our learners do as, as well. So, it's early, you know, we've had good interest. Uh, we're also seeing interest in some of our current students who, who want to leverage these emerging areas to just differentiate and stand out to employers in the skill space. So you take like a business administration or, or another more general major like psychology, does a cert within that program like data science or user experience make them more marketable? Um, and, and so that's where we are. I, I guess, Dustin, you'll have to invite me back, you know, and we'll see how it goes from here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm getting to the point with the show, too. Yeah, where it's like people who are like, you know, willing and able to come back on. And, you know, there's enough time that stuff has been changed since they were on last. So it's uh, <laughs> going to be kind of an exciting phase as we move forward of the show of having uh, folks come back. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just everything you said just was really great to hear of, I mean, one, like, you know, kind of taking cues from, uh, you know, what's happening in the world and listening, you know, surveying uh, your learners as well. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, just having those milestones for students to achieve, I think is so valuable. And uh, I was even going to kind of ask about kind of like, well, do you see people taking it to kind of differentiate, you know, a different major and glad to hear that that is the case as well. But um, yeah, I mean, that that's because I think there's like so much of like, to me with stuff that's happening. And that's like the anecdote of like the best time to plant a tree was like, you know, however many years ago, the next best time is now. So it's this idea of like, yeah, I mean, sure. Like, you know, certificates, certificates and stuff have been around for a while, but you know, if you haven't gotten into it yet, like start now and not how you're, you're kind of doing it and all those sort of different ways and looking towards the future as well of what, uh, you know, uh, other things you'd want to incorporate. And I mean, yeah, I, I just think they're so important as part of, kind of the digital strategy for any any school or any, any institution where, you know, yeah, they can be kind of a, a teaser, like a, a entry point to kind of see, you know, if a student is uh, sort of interested in pursuing something further or, you know, just having it be stackable and all those sort of things. Like, you know, it's just part of the suite of options. And, you know, and, and I think even seeing the schools that have, you know, short course offerings through, you know, any of the variety of platforms out there that can also kind of be a way for, students to get exposed to, to the content and to the institution and potentially kind of find their way, uh, to pursuing that certificate or degree program. Um, so, uh, you know, with everything that we've covered, you know, it's so much that's been happening over the past several years. It's led us to now, but, you know, you recognize obviously like certificates as a recent addition to your strategy. Um, so, you know, if it's maybe focusing on that as we look towards the future and everything, but yeah, just what do you see coming on the horizon for your work? Well, it's a it's a great question. When I think about what's on the horizon, I could go in so many different directions. You know, I I look at my own children, one in middle school and one just going into high school, and the way that they learn and work is so different that it excites me to think about the future of education and adaptive learning and and really personalized learning and what that's going to be moving forward. So uh, you know, that's sort of just from my personal perspective, but from a professional perspective, you know, I, I think the value of a traditional degree will continue to be debated uh, primarily because of cost um, and the need for employers to find people with the skills they need and, and really the future of work. Um, I think it will continue to push us in higher ed to explore new models. You know, we, we believe in revolutionizing higher ed. And so we need to design education that puts learners' needs first and can evolve with this sort of rapid pace of change. And, and like with all changing consumer behavior and expectations, if we believe, you know, if you believe like I do that learning is for all and forever, we have to figure out how to deliver it in such a way that it's easily customizable and consumable and and scalable. So so that's what, you know, I think is coming in the the future for this um, idea of lifelong learning that's been around forever, but the way we're thinking about lifelong learning is changing and it's much more about um, embracing change and the future of work and how we'll all continue this this journey together continuing to to grow yeah i mean i'm, I'm just so excited for what's to come because i think 
there's so going to be so many more access points for students and, you know, just like flexible formats for, you know, different kind of programs. And um, I guess it even makes me think of like for institutions that they could, because it sounds like maybe that's sort of, correct me if I'm wrong, I guess, like sort of your mindset of like, you could create like a certificate program because like I said, it's maybe not like to the point of being a whole degree program yet. And you can see if there's just sort of an appetite for it or, you know, um, yeah, I don't know, like almost like testing it out on the institution side as much as like for the student side of not being like, well, we can't offer any courses or, you know, on the subject because we can't make a whole degree program out of it because we just don't really have the like, you know, structure to, uh, you know, do something shorter. Um, is that the case? Absolutely. I, I think we're already seeing some of that. I mean, when you look at even, you know, launching blockchain, like it may not be a whole program right now, but it's as things come to life in our in society that we're we're all learning about together. It may not be a degree program because there is not an entire history of education designed around it because it's new. And that's the exciting part. You know, Justin, I don't know. I don't I don't think we have to be so committed to the old construct in the old ways. Maybe there'll be certificates. Maybe there'll be different learning opportunities completely outside of a course, you know. Um, and and for that, I'm, I'm so excited. You're right. The access points, the on-ramps, the off-ramps. And for those who, who want a more traditional um, education, they can still get that. And we can build all sorts of support and learning opportunities to complement that in ways that we probably never could before. Right. Totally. Well, you know, we'll have ways to connect with you and Maryville and stuff that you've mentioned so far uh, in the show notes. But uh, we always like to ask, you know, if there's stuff with everything that we've talked about that's been informing your perspective or you've just been enjoying checking out, it's kind of grabbing your attention. Um, yeah, just any resources, you know, books, articles, podcasts, you know, professional organization, any anything that you feel like would be kind of useful and relevant to this conversation that we can uh, also include in the show notes. Sure. Uh, you know, a few things come to mind, like uh, on leadership, I think uh, I love Brene Brown. I just started her new Atlas of the Heart. And I, I, I think that she, um, you know, speaks about trust, which I think is so important when you're in a time of change and our leadership teams come together to stay focused on the vision here and focused on on the, the learner. So um, for leadership, I really like Brene Brown. Right now I'm, I'm reading, or let's be honest, I'm listening to <laughs> uh, The AI First Company. Uh, it's a book by Ash Fontana. And um, I think, you know, just being at the edge of technology and what's happening with AI is important for all of us to understand and embrace. Um, and then, of course, I, I would give a shout out to Dr. Lombardi's book that he did with Joanne Soliday called Pivot, A Vision for the New University. And it just gives um, some examples of how we got to where we are today. Very good. Yes, we'll have ways to go check all that out in the show notes uh, as usual. But um, as we're wrapping up, we always like to end on a final thought or call to action on this topic uh, to end the episode with. So uh, the floor is yours. To end on as a final thought, I would just say in a time when the pace of change and technological innovation can feel overwhelming or scary for some, we believe that education can be a source of hope and change for a better future. So 
at Maryville, we believe that through education, you can change the world. And there are so many new things to learn and ways to work that learning into your life now that for anyone at any age, it is never too late. Perfect. Love it. Uh, so thank you so much, Catherine, for hanging out and sharing all that you did and the great work that you and your team there at Maryville have been doing. And uh, just keep it up. I uh, love to see it. love to hear kind of what's on your mind and what you're uh, seeing on the horizon and everything. And yeah, just thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Dustin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek podcast.